Hey, thanks for joining the Overcoming Monday podcast where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to help enhance your emotional and spiritual health. And our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Our host is Shari King, and she is a writer, a speaker, a mom, and a pastor's wife. That's me. I'm the pastor she's married to. She's my wife, and she's so cute, and I'm crazy about her. Hey, we are so excited about this season of Overcoming Monday. As we go into the Christmas season, we're looking at the person of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. So we're titling this Jesus According to the Gospels. And we're also going to look at Jesus according to the book of Acts. The cool thing about this season is our special guest. His name is Dr. Robert Canoy, and he is the dean of the School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University. Shari and I love this man. He was my professor in seminary. Shari and I went to Israel for the first time together with Dr. Kanoy, and I traveled to Greece and Turkey with him uh, in 2002. He is a great scholar. He's also a man that loves the scriptures and loves Jesus. And uh, speaking of Gardner-Webb University, before we get into this conversation, I want to let you know, we're going to be going back to Gardner-Webb University this summer for Crossroads Summer Camps. That's where Dr. Kanoy teaches, and that's where Crossroads started. We've got one week of summer camp at Gardner-Webb this summer, in addition to the six weeks at Anderson. It's the last week of July, and if you'd be interested in bringing your students, just go to CrossroadsSummerCamp.com. Dr. Kanoy also gave Shari and I the, our first taste of Israel. And speaking of Israel, Shari is leading a trip for women only with Sharon Miller. And that trip is going to be happening May the 8th through the 15th. May 8th through the 15th, ladies only. Listen, men, if you're listening, get your wife this trip. Ladies, if you're listening, ask your husband to go ahead and put these dates on the calendar. And you can find out more information about this trip to Israel by going to faithbasedexpeditions.com. Very simple, faithbasedexpeditions.com, where you can join Shari in Israel May the 8th through the 15th. Now let's get started with our conversation about Jesus according to the Gospels. All right, Overcoming Monday listeners, I want to start this episode off with sharing with you this awesome dream that I had last night. Oh, yes, I was talking about it with my guest previous to the show. So I woke up and I told my husband this morning that um, I've been around teenage boys so much that last night I had just brought a, bought a new hair dryer. It's like a hair dryer that uh, dries your hair and curls it all in one. I was so excited about it because it takes one step away, but in my dream, my boys and all their friends decided to come over and start throwing it around in the living room. And they obviously threw it. It fell on the floor. It completely busted. And the mom came out in me and I said, all of you guys are going to sit down. I'm taking all your names down and I'm collecting money to buy myself a new hot iron. And so I don't really even know what it's called. Oh, hot tools. It was like a hot tool something. It was expensive. And I was so frustrated Anyway, I was telling Dr. Kanoy about that, my guest here today, and he was just laughing. Dr. Kanoy, what was your reaction to my dream? You said something. You said you're dreaming about... Uh, your boys are always breaking your stuff. Yes. About, <laughs> <laughs> I, have yeah. a, I have a fear of teenage boys breaking my things. So anyway, Dr. Kanoy decided to tell me, to encourage me that I'm the queen of the house and I always will be. So I'm just going to like choose to believe that. <laughs> There you go. So, yep. So today we are continuing our season on talking about Jesus. Um, 
but kind of like not looking at him as a compilation of all the gospels, but um, pulling out the personality that we see that each gospel writer pulls out in who Jesus is, um, in their theology about him, maybe even in the way that they're writing and the messages that we receive from that. So today, specifically, we're talking with um, my friend, Dr. Kanoi, about um, the Gospel of John and how he brings out Jesus's personality or how he portrays it. And that brings it out. It's not like John had to bring it out, but I guess that's how an author talks. Um, so Dr. Kanoi, as we start today, will you just uh, talk a little bit about how John portrays Jesus's personality, his calling? Um, the theology, Christology behind John, and just give us some nuggets. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, the, the Gospel of John, once upon a time, people thought, well, it's just so different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It, uh, it, it, it's just an odd thing. Well, the failure of thinking of John that way is really to betray um, our, our unfortunate misunderstanding of how Gospels, all of them work. And I really mm -hmm. appreciate you, Shari, for taking us into this, uh, this study, the way we're doing this, looking at each of the Gospels, their unique perspective on who Jesus is, because all of the Gospels and all the Gospel writers in every way are themselves, they are all theologians. Mm -hmm. And by that I mean each one of them um, is independently inspired by the Holy Spirit to tell the story of Jesus in such a way that their particular congregation, whatever that congregation was like, originally could hear it uh, as as he intended them to hear it. In other words, if uh, your congregation is in one part of the country or one part of the world, you, you would probably tell the story slightly differently so mm -hmm. that your audience could rightly hear what Jesus has to say to you in your moment. And so the Gospel of John is unique uh, among those presentations because most of us know that most likely the area or region of influence that the Gospel of John had was probably in and around Ephesus. And Ephesus is a fascinating place for a lot of reasons. It's multicultural. It's, it's all kinds of things in ways that the other Gospel areas may not be quite as particular as this one is. Uh, we know from the balance of the New Testament that more documents were written to the Ephesian or Ephesus area than any of the other Gospels. You got 1, 2, and 3 John. You got the Gospel of John. You got all this, all this John stuff going on. You got the book of Ephesians. You have all this going on. For which reason, when this particular Gospel writer chooses to begin his Gospel, well, he begins in the beginning. We all know mm -hmm. that, which sounds so much like the Old Testament, which doesn't surprise us, mm -hmm. which is John's way of winking at the audience saying, look, what I'm about to tell you about this person, Jesus, is not really very different from the same God that you will know about if you have followed the biblical story from Genesis in the beginning. So I am going to tell you about this one. And then he uses language like in the beginning was the word. And so now he's popped a philosophical term out in front of his audience there which could be somewhat technical from some people's perspective. But for those who first heard that, they'd go, oh, yeah, I know what this is. Word, I mean, this is the most important, most powerful, most prominent thing ever. So you mean I'm about to hear about the beginning of what? Of mm. the Word? And so he 
chooses to move into the area of some people call it technically the pre-existence of Jesus, that is before Jesus actually becomes physical, uh, physically alive on earth. So in other words, if Matthew begins with Abraham in the backstory and then ultimately Jesus comes as a result, and Mark doesn't begin there at all, Mark begins with the baptism, John says, well, let's just go way on back to the beginning yeah. and start at the real beginning here. So you the guys kind of forgot some things. We need to go back a little bit further. Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back. And no sooner has he uh, introduced them to the word that he says, uh, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Now we got light here. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Seems like that's what God did when he first created the world. Didn't he create light to begin with? Oh, and how did he do it? Oh, yes, he used the word to do it. Mm -hmm. So you see how John... Is just at the very the, the first words he ever says is, let me tie this thing up with you. Let me connect this one about whom you're going to get 22 chapters, 21 chapters. Let me tie him in to this broader, beautiful biblical tradition of, of which you may or may not know too much. And, and off and off he goes doing just this very thing. Mm. And, he's, and he does something else too uniquely. Because among those kind of philosophically minded people of the day hearing this, uh, they believed in the gods, but they didn't quite connect the gods with flesh, coming human beings. Mm -hmm. These gods would, uh, they'd mess around in human people's lives, but they weren't like really physically human. They well, didn't, and they didn't care about humans. They, no. They no. used say, used yes. humans for their own purposes. That's yeah. right. They were little play toys in their little sandboxes. That's mm -hmm. exactly right. But John says, let me tell you about our, the real God here. And let me tell you about this real God named Jesus. He became flesh. I mean, he became just like us. And the fascinating piece of which for me is, I'm intrigued that some people think about the gospel of John. Well, that's the spiritual gospel. Well, look, he's became flesh. He is the real flesh and bone man mm. who came into this world to do something in a most fascinating way. And by the way, it is only in the Gospel of John when we actually get to the crucifixion scene. I'm jumping way ahead. Mm. That when we actually get to the crucifixion scene that we hear Jesus say, it is finished. Mm. That is the work of redemption begun in the beginning it has now arrived at its apex. It is finished right now in my death on the cross. All of which is to say, if this is a spiritual gospel and it's not interested in the physical, I'm not reading the same book you're reading because this is all about Jesus physically coming, physically living, and physically dying on a cross to accomplish the redemption for us that the Christmas season is all about launching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you just brought up Christmas. How would you say that John, um, John's gospel paints and um, portrays Christmas for us? Or just get what message should we take from John specifically for this season? Yeah, that, that, that the one, this Jesus who actually comes and is born in a manger that we'll read about in Luke's gospel, this, this very one that, you know, was baptized with whom God was well pleased in Mark, the same one who, you know, has... These four fascinating women in his in his life, you know, uh, story, you know, leading up here, um, he is also the one who was there from the beginning, mm. and he knew. In as much as he was God, he knew 
what his plan was. In other words, Jesus' coming was not an afterthought. It was not an emergency measure that God said, oh no, my plan got messed up. I got I to gotta send Jesus to fix this. No, this was the plan from the foundation of the world, as the book of Revelation says. We won't get into that one right now. Mm-hmm. But this was the plan from the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus was coming. This was God's intended purpose for the world. And John captures this and does it in a most fascinating way. Are you ready for the key word in John's gospel? I am. I'm ready. Well, it's not, it's not what we were taught in Sunday school in our first Sunday school lesson, which was, boys and girls, what was Jesus' first miracle? And everybody says, oh, it was Jesus turned the water into wine. Well, it's true that Jesus did turn water into wine, but it's wrong that it was a miracle. Uh Uh-oh, that shocked people. Because all you must do is read the Gospel of John, and you will be shocked to learn the word miracle never, ever appears in the Gospel of John. Hmm. Everything that Jesus does is a sign. Yes. yes. Ah, it's Mm. a sign. Boy, don't you love that word sign? Well, if you read the Gospel of John with any uh, with any care at all, you will come to love the Gospel of John mm-hmm. because you will love signs. Because mm-hmm. what, what? Now, let's be clear. What do signs do? They you, show what what was intended. What the? I mean, if if sign is the word used all through John, it's basically saying that he's, it's proof. It's proof of what God has said all along. It's proof of all the things that he said he would do in the Old Testament, which a lot of people like to skip over because the Old Testament's just, I guess, old. (laughs) Who knows? But the Old Testament has said this from the very beginning. And so that's why I think the Old Testament is very significant to say, John, because if you're looking for signs, you're not going to know what those signs are fulfilling unless you know what's happened right. in the Old Testament. Yeah, and, and if you imagine, you know, getting in your, in your car or whatever you drive and you approach one at the corner, mm-hmm. it sits on a post, it's red, it's octagonal, and it's got some letters written on it. Mm-hmm. We call that a sign. sign. It's a sign. Mm. You can plow right over it or plow right through it, uh, but the sign does what signs always do. It points beyond itself mm. to the intended meaning. Now, hear that again. A sign points beyond the thing itself to an intended meaning. Mm. So, if a stop sign, it means what? Put the brakes on, bring the car to a halt. Now, that red oct- octagon has nothing to do with putting the brakes on, but it points, you see, it points beyond itself. And the whole of the gospel of John is about Jesus is the great sign of God that his flesh and bone point beyond themselves to the great intended meaning of who God is and what God is about in this world, Mm -hmm. namely your Redeemer, Mm -hmm. all that he does. I mean, take that, take that story that I, you know, that I mentioned here, the first, quote, miracle, the first sign that Jesus does. It's a story of Jesus uh, come to Cana Cana in Galilee, and he gets to Cana, remember, and uh, his mother comes to him and says, they've what? They've run out of of wine. wine. 
Okay, well, just pause and say, hmm, this is a sign, is it? So they've run out of wine? To what in the biblical tradition has wine always been a sign? What does it always point to? It sits on the communion table those Sundays when we have the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. It's in a little, little, a little glass, and it's called what? It's called wine. And we say that is a sign or a symbol of what? The Jesus' blood. Yeah. blood. And what is this blood going to do? Well, this blood is going to forgive us of our sins. It's going to redeem us. Mm-hmm. So already in John's gospel, he's already winking and sending us in the sign direction because just keep reading the story. So Jesus said, lady, mama, what does this have to do with you and me? Mm-hmm. And my hour has not yet come. Mm-hmm. Now read the gospel of John. Watch. What does this hour mean? It's a sign. Mm-hmm. The hour for which Jesus is intended, which he goes about his business in the whole of the Gospel of John and his whole life doing, it's that cross. Mm-hmm. It's that's the pouring the out of his blood. That's yeah. it. That's the hour that's coming. He says, Mom, my hour, I'm just getting started here, and you're already wanting me to what? Start doing some wine stuff here? Now, she doesn't get it. We don't get it, usually, until we get into the story. But when we get into the story, we go, oh, it's a sign, is it? And then Jesus starts, or as John is telling the story, he starts putting a fine point on this. He says, I tell you what, let's go ahead and take care of this. And lo and behold, there are six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification. Mm -hmm. Purification, hmm. (laughs) What, pray tell, would that be for? They're always trying to what? Wash and clean and get pure. Jesus says, let's take those, fill them up with water, and then the water has become wine. And then the steward of the feast comes and says, what? You've saved the best Best for last. You see the double meaning here? Yes. So this is how John works. The double meaning, every word in John's gospel, every one Mm -hmm. of them, there is a word and it what? It points to its intended, its extended meaning here. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the word, and what does a word do? It points beyond being simply symbols on a page to being the real word, the real key, the real theme uh, in, in all of life. The so word does, that created, that created all things, yeah. the word who made all things. Right, that's the, right. The better wine, the best for last is the the typology of all the prophets and the people who tried to provide salvation and yep. just never it never happened right. in any of those because they were incomplete and yet now it happens in Jesus it's pointing to him and you know the difference between water baptism and being baptized in the blood of Jesus all there of those go. things you see it all yep. in this picture that you're talking right. about yeah this and this is John this is the way John rolls every single verse. Every single word rolls like this. Mm. I've, I've always been intrigued when some people say, look, when a person becomes a Christian, you ought to give them the gospel of John first. I'm going, <laughs> It's a little <laughs> <really>? complicated. <laughs> yeah, a little complicated. But then again, I have discovered that when I, I, I find someone who is a new Christian and I show them these things, they go, yeah, I got it. Mm. In other words, they're not blinded by what they wrongly learned in Sunday school is a miracle because you, you know what, you know why 
John is distinguishing these two because a miracle is the thing itself. It's mm -hmm. all of it. But a sign is something that happens, yes, that's valuable and important, but it what? Points to something. It, it's not the thing that it really points to. Mm. So let's let's focus on the thing to which this really points. And so already in the second chapter, I mean, first thing Jesus ever does mm -hmm. is he does this sign mm -hmm. to launch where this thing is going. And I know that I'm right about this because <laughs> the next the next thing that happens is the cleansing of the temple in the second chapter of John. Mm. Now, we think we thought that happened at the end of his story, or he did it three or four times. No. The point is, John is inspired by the Spirit. John is telling the Jesus story, and he wants to get the wine and the bread in front of the people right off. Mm. Because that cleansing of the temple, he says, I'm talking about my body here. Wow. That's what that's what I'm talking about here. Because he goes into the temple and, you know, they're buying, they're selling and trading and he drives them out. And Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And what do those, what do those uh, Jews in the audience say? It took 46 years to build this temple. What does he tell us? He was talking about the temple of his body. Yes. So th these, these signs, you see, these symbols of blood, these symbols of wine, bread, they are so essential to who we are as God's people. And John knows that we human beings, we need signs. Mm. We need these things that help us come to grips in some capacity to what this is that Jesus has done for us. Yeah. So what do we need? <laughs> we need life, and life is in the blood. We need bread if we're going to survive, for which reason only in the Gospel of John do we hear that Jesus is the bread of life. Mm. Now, people say sometimes to me, oh, no, no, you're just highly, you're too highly symbolic for me. And I'll say, well, uh, so you don't believe these powerful signs or symbols, do you? I'll say, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Is that whole wheat, rye, or pumpernickel? <laughs> and they go, oh, I get it now. I get it now. These are what? Signs. They point beyond themselves to the intended powerful and beautiful meaning. Of course, in this story of, of John, the, the, we got a lot of water signs too, don't we? Yeah. Woman at the well. Yeah. Remember that conversation that they have in John 4? Yes. You know, like, uh, yeah, Jesus comes at noon. Well, that's a strange time to come for water at a well, isn't it? Yeah. No, nobody comes at noon. She comes at noon because she knows no one will be there, but Jesus knows she's going to be there. So he comes there, and then they end up having this conversation about water which is a sign because mm -hmm. there's water and then there's water. And he mm -hmm. tells that woman, I have water. That you know not of. Right. Welling up to eternal life. And if you knew to whom it was you were speaking, you would ask of me for this water. And, he, and she says, but sir, you don't have a dipper with which to dip. <laughs> so she's still thinking what? Water, water. She's still thinking of the sign, but yeah. not that to which the sign is pointing. So the gospel of John Man, he's all about the signs. Yeah, that's good. So how do you think, or how does that play into the Christmas narrative? Great question. <laughs> so look around us at all the signs. 
We got wreaths hanging everywhere. We've got candles all aglow. We've got manger scenes. Those things are not the thing itself. They are right. pointing. They're pointing to something. And of course, you know, the greenery of Christmas, well, you know, we know what that sign is. We call them evergreens, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. they are evergreen because Jesus is what? He is ever present, mm -hmm. always here, always, always greening for us. That's so right. John just helps us, uh, just starts creating for us so many, so many beautiful images uh, along that line. Yeah, so John would be the artsy guy out of all oh, yeah. of these, I think. You oh, know, finding yeah. all the symbol and not only a symbol just or a sign meaning one thing, but having multiple meanings. And yeah. you could just investigate, I think, the book of John over and over and over you could. again. And the more that you read the book of John along with the Old Testament, the more you'll find it even so much more beautiful um, because I think you'll start seeing things that you didn't see before. Yeah, I remember when uh, we were together on that trip in Israel and Clayton, your husband, came to me afterwards and said something about the hair stood up on my arm yeah. and on the back of my neck when we were in John 18, and we were told there there was a garden there, mm -hmm. and momentarily into the garden comes the slithering snake. the yeah. serpent, you know. So uh, that's chapter 18, which would be another good podcast sometime. If yeah, I was yeah. Have fun with. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, John the just. Simple what you were talking about is we were standing in the Garden of Gethsemane and you were talking about how the torches coming down from the city of Jerusalem toward the Garden of Gethsemane would have looked like a slithering snake coming into the garden. Yeah. And not necessarily does the scripture say that that like, was exactly Satan, but it would have felt like that as you saw it possibly from Jesus' perspective, knowing that his time was, was approaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but because because we know who was at the head of that of that group of was Judas. It was yeah. Judas, and how does how does Jesus uh, he was address given that? over? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Peter jumps out with a little knife and says, "I'll take care of this," with his little sword, and Jesus says, "Put that away. I've I've got this. I've got this under control here. Yeah. I, I'm going to take care of Satan. I got my own way of doing it." going to happen on the cross right outside the city wall here in about three days. I'm going to take care of this. Yeah. So he has a different way of, and again, this is all, this is the way John tells a story so differently. But again, knowing who his audience is, knowing who we potentially as students of the Bible, once we see the power of sign and symbol, realize John doesn't use the word miracle ever. Once we see these things play out, we can then lay ourselves open before this book and watch it do these powerful things that it does. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know we've um, we've discussed a lot in this book so far, but I wanted to ask you, I can't remember where this story is off the top of my head, but I remember when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, will you give us one more sign that you are the Messiah? And Jesus says, you will not receive any other sign except the sign of Jonah. Um, and yeah. so is that one in John? Is that... No, that no, one isn't okay. in John, but uh, it's in Matthew and in okay. Mark. But it's it's okay. I mean, uh, it's 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 similar, you know. It's they, like they, a... they 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 ask for signs in John repeatedly too, and Jesus okay. said, "I'm giving you all these signs." Yeah, I'm yeah. not giving you any more. I've given you all of them, right. and now if you can't uh, if you can't receive this next sign, the right. sign that basically the temple will be built back in you know. Three yeah, days yeah. I will rise, and right. three days Jonah is in the belly of the whale and comes out. You know, this is the very last thing. If you can't believe the message of Jesus, then there's nothing else that I can give to you. 
And, and it's a way also for us who are Bible students ourselves um, to have a little checkup. Mm-hmm. So if we're reading along there and we don't get the point of the sign, then we hear Jesus say, I'm not giving you any more signs. You better go, oh, I'm going back. Oh, I'm going to go back yeah. and relook. I'm going to visit again. Because remember, all of these biblical documents, every one of these gospels were written for Christians. Mm-hmm. They're written to us. And he wants us to get it right because if we get these this business of signs right ourselves, hmm. then others will get it. But if we get it wrong, then guess what? We're going to misrepresent who Jesus is in this world, and we're going to cause more trouble than we're going to cause good. So he wants us to do, to get it right. So yeah. John will help you get it right in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it makes you, uh, it, it's not, it's almost, um, it's almost like he's dangling something in front of you so that you have to conduct an investigation. He's not like Absolutely. Mark where he's just saying it straight out. Yeah, he's yeah. Kind of giving you a little. Uh, oh yes. It's kind of like with kids sometimes when you keep telling the same thing over and over again, you decide I'm not going to do it the same way. I got to figure out something mm-hmm. a new way to help yeah. discipline them so that they'll yes. actually listen he, to me. Yeah, he's te- he teases the mind. Yeah. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Which, so as we. Oh, sorry, I just cut you off. No, no, that's good. Um, I was just going to say as we end today, I was going to ask you: Is there one um, just nugget of information that you want to leave us with? on how we can understand uh, or just see Jesus um, from John's perspective a little bit more? Just keep looking for the signs because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're all around us and l- learn how to use the power of language, which are signs too. Learn how to use words in such a way that they communicate the real sign of who Jesus is. That, that's the takeaway for me. Whenever I read this gospel, I just say to myself, am I using my words in such a way that other people see Jesus? Because mm. that's what this gospel is about. Words are so powerful. Mm. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you, Dr. Kanoy. I really love um, what you showed us here today. And um, next time we will be talking about Luke. And I hope that you Overcoming Monday listeners are loving this uh, season that we're having where we're discovering a little bit more about Jesus according to the gospel writers. And we will be talking about Luke next time. So we'll see you then. I really hope that this episode has helped you see Jesus a little more clearly and understand more of the context of his life, his work, his death, his resurrection, and ultimately his lordship. Hey, we wanted to invite you to pray about joining Shari and myself on a trip to Greece and Turkey, one of our favorite places we've ever been on planet Earth, as we retrace the steps of the Apostle Paul, as well as some of the places where John visited. We get to go to the island of Patmos. We get to visit the cave where John wrote the book of Revelation. We get to stand in front of the library of Ephesus, one of the most well-preserved ancient ruins from antiquity. We get to stand on the top of the Acropolis in Athens, Greece, and we get to see where Paul preached the gospel to the Areopagus at Mars Hill. It's just the trip of a lifetime. Shari and I will be leading this trip, so if you're interested in going, the dates are September the 20th through October the 8th. That's September the 20th through October the 8th, and you can find out more information by going to ClaytonKing.com. Hey, this podcast is because of you. It exists to help you, but you make it happen. So there are three ways that you can help us reach more people. Share this with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram and on Facebook. Follow Overcoming Monday as well. 
You can also make a tax-deductible donation to our ministry because we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and everything you give allows us to offer this and many more ministry opportunities completely free of charge. Just go to claytonking.com give. We hope that this has been a great experience for you, and we hope we've given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough.